This is Music Ed Amplified. Greetings and salutations, you fantastic, exhausted, hardworking human beings. How are you all doing? Things are just beginning to look up for those of us in the Northeast as we creep closer to the end of the school year in just a few weeks. And for those of you already on break, I hope you are rejoicing and enjoying every second of it after this beast of a year. You are now here with me at the Music Ed Amplified podcast, where I talk about life as a music educator and how I personally am working hard, though imperfectly, to grapple with issues of racism, injustice, access, inequity, inclusion, and diversity, both in my personal and professional life. I'd like to share something with you along those lines before we get to today's interview in what we call a JEDI, or Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion moment. I have been rereading the fantastic book, Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad, which I highly, highly recommend if you're just beginning your anti-racist work, or at any time, really. In one of the chapters, Leila shares a doozy of a quote by Austin Channing Brown, another person from whom I have learned so much. It was especially meaningful because of some pretty tough debates in which I've recently found myself. Austin says... White people desperately want to believe that it's the lonely, isolated, whites-only club members who are racist. This is why the word racist offends nice white people so deeply. It challenges their self-identification as good people. Sadly, most white people are more worried about being called racist than about whether or not their actions are, in fact, racist or harmful. I wish I could say that this kind of dangerously misled mentality is rare, but Austin's words are spot on for so many people, at least in my experience. So many of us who are white and white presenting become rapidly and powerfully defensive when called to confront these issues, and it can be so difficult to cut through that barrier if you really want to have an honest conversation about systemic racism and white supremacy. I find that we can get completely stuck on terms, words, and phrases like white, racist, critical race theory, privilege, systemic racism, and of course, white supremacy. And that seems to be because so many of us carry such specific pictures of what these words mean. To us, they're associated with the KKK or with people who use the N-word or those who would blatantly and cruelly discriminate against others who are different. Because in so many of our minds, those words could never pertain to us. That's what I thought for a long, long time. We see racism as this set of individual egregious acts done by those on the fringe. But as I grow in my understanding of racism, limited as it is, I see it in a way that is so much more clear, if not also extremely disheartening. Here's a quote from another book I'm working through that speaks to that. The book is called So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijeoma Alua, and I hope it will cause you to think, because I know it's done that for me. She says, the truth is, you don't even need to be racist to be part of the racist system. It's the system and our complacency in that system that gives racism its power, not individual intent. Without that white supremacist system, we just have a bunch of a-holes yelling at each other on a pretty even playing field. 
But there is no even playing field right now. Over 400 years of systemic oppression have set large groups of racial minorities at a distinct power disadvantage. So for today's Jedi moment, I want to challenge those of you out there who normally tune me out when I'm talking about these issues to stop and listen for a moment. No one will know but you that you are doing so. Have you said or thought any of the following things before or agreed when others have said them? Things that dismiss racism, especially systemic racism. Things like talking about race all the time causes so much division. And shouldn't we be about unity? Or I hate when people pull the race card. Or I don't know why people have to make every little thing about race. Or maybe I'm not a racist. I work with black people and I have a black brother-in-law. Or what I proudly thought and said for years. I look at every human being the same, no matter their color. I don't care if you're white, brown, black, purple, or polka dotted. We're all the same. Or we had a black president, and now we have a black vice president. How can people say things aren't getting better? Or it's a fact that black people are just as racist as white people. Can I challenge you to confront those statements and investigate the possibility that when you say them, you are refusing to look at the bigger, more important picture. Because the truth is, there is a huge power divide between the vast majority of white people and our BIPOC fellow human beings. Their lived experience points to this. The numbers point to it, and we cannot ignore or deny it. So I encourage you to do what is hard, because it sure was for me. Put aside your defensiveness and consider the possibility that your perspective in these issues is off. And then work to listen to the voices of BIPOC as they tell you about the experiences that their ancestors have had and that they and their families have had and that we see throughout the dominant structures everywhere around us. I'm calling to your humanity because until more and more white people put down our pride and acknowledge the reality of systemic racism and take actions to dismantle it, the cycle will continue. And that is just not acceptable. I hope you will take time to consider these things. And I honestly thank you for doing so. It's a matter of life and death. In today's episode, you are going to hear from two amazing music educators. Our main guest, Katie Wardrobe from Midnight Music, and one of her most ardent followers, my very dear friend and fellow famed teacher trainer, Chris Ann Powers, who I knew I had to have on as a guest host because she loves Katie so much. If you didn't already know it, Katie Wardrobe is a music technology trainer, consultant, blogger, and podcaster who is passionate about helping music teachers through her business, Midnight Music. She runs hands-on workshops, presents regularly at conferences, and offers online training and support to music teachers all over the world. Katie's workshops and courses focus on incorporating technology into the music curriculum and practical tips for resource creation and productivity. Please head over to the episode page to read more of Katie's bio and find out more about her fantastic Midnight Music community, which we talk about in this episode. And I just want to apologize because Katie kindly tried to stage a technology intervention with me, and I was just trying to justify why technology hates me so much, which, by the way, it still does. But I'm going to try to do the things she suggests, which you're about to hear now. 
first of all, I want to welcome friend of the podcast, FOP, and my fellow fame teacher trainer and mom of <laughs> Fenny the Wonder Doodle, Chris Ann Powers. Uh, I invited Chris to be co-host for today's episode. I'm really glad she's here. So welcome, Chris. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm fangirling out because Katie's mm-hmm. here. I know. <laughs> and of course, you know, our main event, uh, getting her day, well, not getting your day started now. I mean, you're kind of into your day over there in Australia while Chris and I are obviously winding down because we're like more in our pajamas. <laughs> yep. Um the brilliant and lovely Katie Wardrobe. Welcome, Katie. Yay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. And it's quite funny. We're, we're obviously seeing each other on Zoom, even though that's not going to end up in the podcast. But I've got light in the background and yeah, it's <laughs> practically in the dark. I'm like in a cave. Chris is in an office. Chris is somewhere in between. <laughs> So, yes, 11 a.m.-ish, 11.30 in the morning for me here. So, yeah, it's not too bad. It's, it's not too bad. Sometimes I do interviews like this at, you know, 6 a.m. my time I, if I'm fully committed. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I thought that it was a 12-hour time difference. I'm not good with time differences. I have learned. I am very fluent. No, or geography yeah. or technology. <laughs> really, I'm just good at, like, two things. But that's okay. At those two things, I'm very good. So And that's okay. <laughs> Well, uh, Katie, as you know, we have a mutual friend, Amy Burns. We do. The lovely Amy. Yeah. She's she's, so awesome. She's just the best. And like you, hugely helpful to music educators when it comes to tech and and tech and tech. Uh, Obviously, I'm amazed at both of you. Um, (laughs) not Not just because, you know, not just for the ways you... Use your gifts and your understanding to kind of break down technology for teachers, but for your passion for this work. I thought because of that, it would be good to start off by asking you what it was that first drew you to technology in education and music education and and how you kind of eventually decided to focus in on helping teachers navigate technology, which, as we learned in trying to get this episode started, and to... (laughs) Absolutely no one's surprise. Uh, we had a real hard time getting this going. So why would you want to do this all the time? Please explain your ways to me. Well, it might surprise you, but I did not really, I, I, I feel like I didn't choose to do this. It kind of, I mean, obviously at some point I did, but it, I was thrown into it and I, I, I used to be so confused and afraid and terrified of all things tech related. Really? And yeah, we're going back maybe 12 years now or so and I, I ended up taking a job, I, I've told this story a few times, I ended up taking a job with Sibelius software. So mm. I was using Sibelius a little bit. I really was not using it well at all and we were in this time and age of you know, it wasn't a big, so, there was no social media back then, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, right. maybe maybe I'm speaking in the wrong time frame, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of social media going on and I really didn't use any technology throughout my <laughs> school or university whatsoever. Absolutely none. There wow. were a handful of people using, I think Finale was around when I was at university. That's what Jeremy Sibelius, uses. Yeah, and Sibelius wasn't a thing. It didn't even exist then. And I used to see people walking around with like a, 
you know the floppy disks that were actually mm-hmm. floppy? <laughs> like, right. You know, I know those. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the icon is still used. It makes me laugh. Like kids today would be like, what is that icon even? So, yeah, and, and <laughs> I really did not use to – everything at university was handwritten assignments. All my music assignments were handwritten. All my assignment assignments, like written assignments, were on a typewriter that only the good copy. So you'd do the Woo-hoo. whole work. I yep. literally cut and copy and paste when I was working on the <laughs> Like essay. literal – Copy yeah, paste. literal copy and paste. And then I'd stick it all together in the right order and all my scribbling and highlighting. And then I would type my good copy at 3am before it was due <laughs> the night before. And that was my life, you know. And then I have a friend, uh, James, in Australia who who started working for Sibelius when they first started up. And eventually, you know, at some point, I think it was when Sibelius was in version two of the program, he's like, you know, you should you should use this. And uh, after a while, he said, why don't you, you know, why don't you come and work for Sibelius? <laughs> so, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I'm all right with Sibelius now. I could maybe work for the company. Me thinking that the questions I would be asked by people, because large Largely in Australia, in particular, the Sibelius users were majority education-based. So, and you know, had this education sort of thing. So, you know, I, I was hoping that the questions would be like, "How do you enter a triplet?" and "How do right. I format my parts for orchestra <laughs> right. and stuff?" No, the questions were, "I cannot get sound playback on my computer," or <laughs> "I can't install the program." Like it was all this really highly technical stuff, and I was out of my depth completely, <laughs> pretending that I knew what I was talking about, <laughs> madly looking up answers on right. a, the shared work database, or asking James or someone else there, and freaking out about everything all the time and thinking oh my gosh I, you know what am I doing so it was tech support and you know I mean the really good thing about having that job was that it forced me to to look for answers myself I really had to go and find you know answers to things and I learned more about the way the operating systems of Mac and PC and the differences I was a Windows user forever and then I was thrown into like people asking Mac questions and it was very different. I've switched to Mac and have been a Mac user for years yes. and years now. But yeah, and, and that's that suited we me and it's that. not Yes. Yeah, and there's and, and to be honest, you know, people say Mac or PC, which one should I go for? It doesn't really matter. Like to be honest, it really doesn't matter. But right. I like the Mac environment and it works well for me. So so yeah, I really had this total baptism of fire and it was terrifying for a while. But you know, after a while I, I did get used to it and the part of that and this is where I ended up sort of doing what I'm doing now. The part of that job that I really enjoyed was when I was talking to teachers about how to apply the software, how not just the technicalities. I mean, that was a good part of it too, like how, sure. how to set up a score and how to enter those triplets. And But the, the really good part was, you know, like what do I do with the students in the class with Sibelius or you know, how can I make my worksheets? You know, you can't look up how to make a worksheet in, well, you sort of can, but how to make a worksheet <laughs> in Sibelius in the manual. It was more of a like how to apply all the things that Sibelius does to get the result that you want as an educator. And, you know, I, I um, early on, because I am Kodai trained, I was doing workshops at Kodai conferences on how to make very specific Kodai resources that had right. stick notation and the time signature that looks like to tar, you know, and with the, <laughs> the picture of the note underneath. And you sort of right. have to make Sibelius do that. So that was the part I really loved. And my job there finished up and I thought, well, you know, I, I need to just kind of like replace that income and it was a part-time income. And I thought, well, maybe I can just run Sibelius workshops like 
by myself, you know, as a right. single individual person and, and, and other software as well. And I just started adding in other software and it, it filled up the part-time income that I needed to replace and it just grew from there. And I, hmm. the thing that I found was the most prevalent early on for me, I wanted to know, and I went looking for answers about this, about how, how to apply the software in an educational setting. Okay, GarageBand, for instance, like I started to learn that because I had a Mac, you know, and I'm like, well, okay. this is great. You can look up how to do whatever in GarageBand, how to record uh, a voice part or how to set up a piano instrument and record a piano part. But, but what are people doing in the classroom with it? That was my burning question. And there was hardly any information out there about that side of things. And I found a very few handful of people on Twitter. Um, this is probably the time around, you know, that I met Amy Burns on, on Twitter. This is how we met and, and a few other educators in that space. And that was the thing that I went, oh, like why is no one training in this or training other teachers in this or sure. sharing this information? So that's how it started. And I started going, gosh, this technology thing's not bad. Like it's kind of useful and, and you can be really creative. So, yeah, and there's my dog saying it quite hello. <laughs> we all <laughs> have our dogs with us. Dogs. So this she is should a... not be doing anything right now. She's had a treat. She's done. <laughs> well, so tell me a little bit about Midnight Music because, to be honest, I don't know a lot. How did you eventually um, come to do that and, and what's the main focus of your work? Mm. So I, when I, around that time that I sort of left Sibelius and thought I'll do this training and, you know, see how that goes, I was also doing a lot of copying and arranging work and I wanted to choose a business name that wouldn't pigeonhole me into one thing, you know, because sure. I was doing a combination of jobs, you know, and so, um, and I was doing a lot of late night work, hence the name Midnight <laughs> Music, ah. uh, particularly the copying and arranging, because as soon as someone says, can you do this arrangement for me, or can you transcribe a piece of music? Uh, the first question you ask when you get asked that, you know, that question is, what is your deadline? And the answer is nearly always yesterday. yesterday. So you're like, great, yeah, awesome. Of course. So you're working very late at night and around other things that you're doing. But um, eventually I, I decided I, I needed to focus on not all the things and just on, you know, one thing. And so I, I felt like the need was there for the technology training for teachers. And so I, with the business, I started um, the majority of what I was doing in the early days was in-person workshops. And, you know, that that's really where everything started because online platforms, online training at that time, it was like the Wild West, really. Like, you know, we're talking 12 years ago. So, I mean, there wasn't much around. So I was going to a school or to a an organisation and running workshops for groups of music teachers. And that was really great. Um, and going into state, like travelling a little bit in, in within Australia to do that, um, it was it was great. But it, you know, it's tiring. And after a while, <laughs> I get to this point where I'm like, I'm saying, I mean, it's like teaching music classes to like a group. If you've got multiple Year Seven classes, you teach the same lesson five times yes. in a week, whatever. So it was like that. And I was like, man, I am saying the same things so many times. And I have been listening to business podcasts for many years, all along this time, uh, entrepreneurs and you know so on. And, and one particular woman that I listened to, she was talking about how she forged this business and she did social media training and and how she was creating online courses 
or running live webinars and reaching people in multiple time zones and also recording what she did. Right. And then, you know, this magic of, oh my gosh, you could watch the recording more than once or at a time that suits you. And as the person presenting or teaching, you don't have to teach the same thing over and over. Like, right. It's actually a ridiculous waste of time to do that. So, so I started to do a few live webinars and oh my, that was terrifying from a technology point of view back then. I mean, it's, it is much <laughs> easier now, believe it or not. And For some people, oh, yes. That is oh true. my gosh. <laughs> so I did these sort of four weeks in a row live online courses, which were recorded. So if you couldn't come live, you can catch up with the recording. And But after a while, then I also got to this point where I'd run, you know, like Sibelius Basics course at, you know, in January, I don't know. And then people would miss out on that. And they're like, well, when are you running that one again? And I'm like, well, I'm going to run a GarageBand course next. And then I'm going to do this one next. And, you know, and there's only so many you can fit into a year. And right. the timing of the year for the different countries, we have a totally opposite passion of our school year to you guys. We are in the beginning part of our school year. You're finishing up soon. I mean, yeah, we it's are. It's totally different. <laughs> and you have a big PD time in the middle of the year, and ours is more like January. And, you know, right. So I, then I thought, well, recordings of courses rather than running them live, it makes sense to just provide access to those and people pay for them and do them in their own time. And then that led to rather than just people paying for individual courses like some people were wanting to take four or five of my different courses right. and then it like made sense to just put them all inside this one community where you pay once essentially and it's a subscription basis and you get access to everything all the time so it hmm. just made so much more sense because of that whole difference of us versus australia and all the other countries and, right right and, and and different people have different needs like someone who needs a garage band course in March, just, you know, someone else might need it in November and it just makes no sense to have a timed delivery of those things. But yeah, I found a sort of a happy medium in between now, which has been useful, but, but that's basically what it is. So online community, I have lots of stuff for free on the website too, which has always been there and, and will always be there. But, but this is where you'll get the sort of the meteor courses and the step-by-step -step training and lots of videos. I've Come ninja at making videos quite quickly now, <laughs> <laughs> training and stuff. So, yeah, that's so it's worked really well. And I mean, you know, to be honest, from a business point of view, it makes much more sense for me to have a steady stream of income because of this subscription basis rather than people paying one off for courses one at a right. time. It works out more economical for them and it just is much better for me for planning and things. So it makes so much sense. I mean, it just really does. Like the more you think about it, you just like, it just makes sense for everybody to, to have that set up. And the whole, I mean, I think that's been one of the good things coming out of the pandemic and everybody, I mean, thrown. It's not the way I would have liked everyone to up their technology game, but right. there are benefits, like we forced benefits right. out of it. And one of them is, I think a lot of teachers have realised that you could make videos of certain portions of what you teach, especially the things that you teach very regularly because you've got multiple classes at the same year level or you teach the same thing roughly, give or take, year after year. I mean, if you're teaching music theory concepts, they really don't change that much. Your delivery might change, but, you know, you might 
make a video of some concept that you always teach the same way every year right and you know you're done and you can still teach it live but you've got that video as backup or you send the kids off to watch the video and then you talk through the concept with them in class and you use that time differently or to be creative with the information they've learned and I just it just makes so much sense and mm -hmm. yeah there's a little bit of a barrier in making a video but it's it's not as nearly as hard as it used to be. Thank goodness. Well, I love I can that say you're as like a person yeah. who's who's taking the course right now, the yeah. video creation course. I can tell you, it has really upped my video creation game because oh, good. I'm I so happy. I started yeah. at zero level zero negative negative zero, and now I, I I made a demo today, and I actually downloaded the notation that you have. Oh, on good. the midnight music uh website and it was it was perfect it was the exact notation we needed oh, i yay. popped it on the uh, in canva downloaded it and boom we off <laughs> off to the races we went and it's yeah. all because of your video creation course thank oh, you so like, much for offering not, that. oh you're so welcome and it's funny because i i have had that the idea to make that course so this is all about teaching music teachers how to make videos and there are multiple types of videos that you might need to make as a music teacher like you mm. might just want to make a tutorial showing something on your screen or you might want to talk to the camera to your students about this is how you pack up the music classroom or clean the instruments and you might want to make a video for parents saying this is what I'd love your daughter, son, whoever to, you know, the way they need to be for the concert and, you know, concert etiquette, I don't know, whatever you want to make. Sure. But then there's also like play along videos, which have like blown out of the yeah. water in the last 12 months. <laughs> and how do you make those? And then people are like virtual choir, virtual ensemble videos, and how do I do green screen? And I, I had wanted to make a video creation course teaching all of that for about I think I first wrote an outline for this course about three, two or three years ago. And mm. at the time when I, I really wanted to make it, I'm like, I just can't yet because when I did the course, I wanted to make sure that there was software that would work for both Mac and PC. Right. And that was going to largely work with free, like free software. I didn't want because a lot of the video editing programs are you know 300 400 bucks oh. and i thought i don't want to run a course and then say by the way you need to go purchase <laughs> adobe premiere pro <laughs> right, right, or right. find a license at your school and and i thought no nah, just can't do it so I, I i put it on the back burner kept it there kept adding ideas to what i wanted to cover in it anyway the pandemic hits and then the need for teachers to know how to make videos just like exploded yep. it just exploded and, and all of those videos were part of what teachers needed to know and i think especially music teachers in a way so i'm like man i really i really need to see if i can work out a way to do this so i went back and looked at all these software options and and luckily the technology has changed and developed and products have come out and over the recent times and i found yes we are in a place where we can do it because I, in the course I've used a combination of Loom screencasting software, which is totally free, and they have extra features that educators can apply for for nothing, so that's good. And then this software called DaVinci Resolve has come along and it's totally free and it works on Mac and PC. And I just went, okay, we can do I think it's we time. can do this. We right. can do it. Yeah. And so I thought, and then because of the pandemic, I'm like, man, there's such a need for this. So. I, um, I, my, my physiotherapist is not great, not greatly happy because I, I don't have a great 
lower back at the moment. Right. And I, I spent hours and hours sitting at my computer getting these course videos done. So she's like, how many hours a day were you at your laptop? And uh, let's not talk about that. It's like when you look at your phone, how long were you on your social yeah, media for? Exactly. It's like, you go, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was, the time was right to, to get that done. And, um, and it, oh my gosh, I've just been so impressed. So I, I, you know, I come up with ideas for what I think the projects should be that we create in any course and and then the course participants do the course and I'm hoping that, well, let's let's hope that it's the right sort of thing that they want to learn and right. that they're able to do. And the things that people come have come back with from this course have just Amazing. blown me away. Oh, mm-hmm. it's been so good. Play along video. It just yeah, it's been, it's been great. <laughs> great. Yeah, I'm yeah, they're great. Go ahead. No, the other great feature is that uh, you create these little Facebook pop-up groups for the courses. Yes. So in real time, people can ask questions. You you answer them very timely and in a timely way, rather. And we get our answers and we're able to keep editing. And it's just super helpful and yeah. to learn from others in the community as well. And people share so freely they do. Uh, with they the really things awesome. that they've created. Uh, it's it's been so helpful as a teacher because I'll say, oh, I need a, a play along for this topic, and I can borrow somebody's that somebody Someone else has else created, is, yeah. and it's yeah, that, it's so that's helpful. been an accidental thing. It's funny because I ran a Canva course in a similar way last year, and I remember I, when Chris was taking the oh, Canva course. It, it was so good. It, that one blew me away as well. Like that was amazing, and the thing that I did not predict, and I should have, like I didn't predict at all that, of course, when people are making things for the course, so like module one is you make a poster. And when people are making their resources to to learn the Canvas skills, of course, they're producing things that everybody else also needs or wants. So right. the, the second module is worksheets or something. So everyone's making these beautiful worksheets and sharing them in the Facebook group really for feedback, like here's the thing I made, what do you think? And, you know, and, and everyone's like, wow, that's awesome. And can I use that for my I was just going to say, you know, you should just have a disclaimer at the top, like anything yeah. you share well, here, we're all going to take. Yeah. Yes. And I did in the end, I said, um, and actually the feedback form included a box you could check saying uh, anything that you've shared in the, the Facebook group or in the community, are you happy for me to share it with everybody else or no, I would prefer not to. Or I had one option, uh, yes, except for things that feature my students or my sure. school name or something like sure. that. So that was brilliant. So we ended up with, um, you know, collections of all these resources that people had made during this course, which everybody shared with each other. And, and we shared them even as templates. So you could open the Canva, you know, Canva's a free yeah. design tool if you've never used it. And you could open the Canva template and even adapt it for your class. Like it was just, it, that was totally, uh, I just did not predict that side of it. So It's almost now, like that's worth yeah. the price of admission. Like yeah, I just yes, want to join so I can steal everybody's stuff. Steal everyone else's stuff, yeah. I'm not <laughs> and, pretend, <laughs> and pretend like I'm understanding everything else that's happening. At the same time, w- same time which is a great segue yeah. to my <laughs> final little question before I hand it over to Chris, which is, uh, you know, even my students say it, hashtag technology hates Dr. Strong. So I have an absolute, I, I mean, right now I'm going to call it a hate-hate relationship with technology. Um, <laughs> I've heard you talk about uh, a fear factor when it comes to technology for many, many teachers. Um, and of course that resonates with me. And 
in spite of the fact that I'm constantly using technology now and really have been for years, uh, it's so strange. Like, I think people think, oh, you're good with technology. You use it all the time. You know, the truth is I'm kind of forced to use it. I, I have to use it to do these things that I want to do. And I, it's like wrestling with this beast for me. And I'm like workarounds and people helping me, you know. And so in spite of the fact that I'm constantly using technology, the truth is I'm neither creative nor intuitive when it comes to technology. The biggest piece of advice I usually give to anybody is to master one thing, choose one thing and just forget everyone's talking about, you know, Flipgrid and Wakelet and do this mm -hmm. and do that and Chrome Music Lab. Forget it. You do not need all the things. You just, you just yes. don't need all the things. So choose the one thing. So let's say it's going to be GarageBand and just do some things with that first and get comfortable with that. And that's it, maybe for a few months and then just move on to the next thing. So I say that's in an ideal time because in the pandemic time, you know, it's like, okay, well, you have to learn Zoom or Google Meet and you have to learn how to right. use your Google Classroom or Canvas or Schoology or whatever. And you have to also now try and gather videos from students. Well, are you going to use Flipgrid or are you going to submit through Google? Like it's just so much. So okay, the last 12 months is an exception, but if right. you can still just ignore everything. I, I think people get onto Facebook groups and to Twitter and they consume too many ideas. And I, I do this at times and I, I recognize it in myself and I will shut everything off for some time and ignore it all. Cause I don't need to know. I don't need to know the latest updates in whatever software, it doesn't matter. And until I need to use it, and then I'll at least open it the day before I'm about to use it with a group of people and make sure everything is the same or not, because it's really bad when you don't do that. Even websites that you visited 300 times in the past, mm -hmm. just visit it the day before or ahead of class sometime, just, just check it, you know. But I really do think it's a case of just being tunnel vision and taking something on one thing at a time, being very, very intentional about it and not... Just don't get distracted. Forget the colleague that's doing all these fancy things. Just forget them. It doesn't matter. You don't, you don't need it all. Um, and, and there's so many tools that do the same thing as well. Like it can just be get, it can get very confusing and muddy. I, I don't use, you know, like I'll, I'll offer up a tool or offer a suggestion for a technology thing in a, in a workshop. And there's always someone who pipes up with, oh, and you can also use this thing as <laughs> right, well. Or right. you, there's also this Chrome extension. I'm like, yes, there is. And, <laughs> and if that's working for you, like yeah. totally use it, you know. And this is where Facebook groups can be dangerous because people people ask, you know, what is uh, what are the some of the popular ones? Well, let's take play along videos. How do you, how are you all making play along videos? Oh my gosh, people are adamant that the software they are using is the one you should use. Right? Like, no, no, no. You just you just use this and you use it. And then I read the answer and I'm like, that person mentioned they're on a Mac and you've just mentioned a PC only software. <laughs> right, like, right. No. <laughs> Use whatever works and take take one thing and try it and stick with that. But I will say, I did mention to Amy ahead of time that <laughs> so I'm talking to Missy in the podcast tomorrow. And I said, look, I may offer up a little bit of tough love. <laughs> offer it up. She's I'm like, she's I'm said, here for what? it. What? She said, what do you mean? And I said, no, no, it's more an attitude thing. So I think it's a mindset thing as well. Because I, I, I know when I'm in the frenzy <laughs> and it's that whole, like, I'm kind of, I, I am fairly analytical, logical person. Oh my gosh, the dog. 
<laughs> and you know, I, I, but I also do have that belief of, you know, you, you, if you have a fear factor, it's like an animal can sure. smell the fear on you, right. all that sort of things. So that's not very practical in terms of saying that. And and what, what's that? Gonna, no, what's I mean, I do, totally. But... Uh, all I can say is this. I am open to any possibility because it doesn't, it just doesn't matter. And this is the truth. Like Prezi is the perfect example. So I've been using Prezi for six years. So I've done what you're saying, right? And I just kind of focused in on that, put everything there, spent all this time. It, there's always a problem. And I know it's user error for sure, you know, (laughs) but I, but I'm literally doing what they're telling me. To, okay, so I'm, I shouldn't be touching this, so tell me. But what's so funny is it's just comical because every tech person will kind of shake their head at me and say like, oh, Missy, you're so funny. By the end, if they're sitting with me for a while, <laughs> they I have not had – it's like t- trying to convince somebody you're in a haunted house. I'm like, yeah. no, it's really haunted. Come here. I'm come. <laughs> yeah, and people are like, you. oh, sure, Missy, sure. So, I mean, this is the other thing I say in almost every workshop is – is also, and this is how I get by in life because, you know, I mentioned early on, I was not tech savvy. I knew nothing. I was terrified. Like the first few workshops I ran in person where I like had to plug into a data projector that I had never seen before at a school somewhere or in an auditorium, like terrifying, you know, and I'm that sort of person that I feel much more comfortable if I can picture the space that I'm presenting in the next day but you can't do that if you're rocking up to a school yep. or a conference. Like you just, and you can't even get into the room early. Often right. At a you get in five minutes before. Five minutes before. And the other presenters and the other still talking, talking to, to someone to and packing up. And like, you're like, do you mind if I just move your laptop? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, now I'm comfortable because I've experienced many different setups and it's all good. But what I've learned over the years is no matter what situation you're in is to have a contingency plan. And... You know, it sounds like obvious, but when I think to, like, if you take technology out of it for a moment, if you're just talking your your general music classroom and you are planning tomorrow to use ukuleles with the students, you know. Right. Okay, so five of them, you get to class and the the kids get them out and five of them have got broken strings. And so as a music teacher, you kind of go, well, of course. Okay, that's that's just you expect that there's going to be something wrong with right. a class set of 20 ukuleles and five of them have broken strings. So <laughs> you would have naturally already a, a contingency in your head. So let's pretend it's not COVID times and, you know, so the kids in that case, you might swap them over. They might work in pairs and they swap their instruments. Not right now, but let's just pretend. <laughs> so you have that contingency plan in place. So And making a video of your presentation, like uh, I know Amy <laughs> and I and a few other the tech presenters that that I know, we have learned over the years, when you're in a conference, a tech conference, no less, the internet access is absolutely shocking. It's terrible. So when we're all trying to present websites and YouTube videos and online tools, you know that the internet is going to be terrible in your session. So what on earth do you do? Well, we all make videos ahead of time of the thing we're going to show in the software. And sometimes I'll make them and I just, I don't even bother trying to get onto Soundtrap in my presentation. Right, I will right. just hit play on the video that I made the night before or a few days before. And um, sometimes I will go, okay, the internet's working, let's try it live. And I've got the video as the backup. But hmm. I constantly have contingency plans in place. I, I do things like, 
Um, for yesterday's webinar, it's funny, uh, occasionally things don't happen as I expect them to when I'm streaming a live session, a live webinar, and a few hundred people are on and I'm like, oh, that Chrome extension that I wanted to show you all is not working in this right. live situation because of the way I'm set up. But it's okay because I had a screenshot of what I was going to talk about <laughs> in my slides <laughs> and that, that just got me out of that situation. So, all right, okay, I won't show you live, but here's the screenshot and let me talk it through for you. So I have a lot of things put in place ahead of time and it, it's hard to do for all situations, but sure, just have that condition. And if you can't get internet access, like plan for that. Just plan for that. Pretend oh, it's I going do. to always because be. Because yes. I download the entire thing, so it's <laughs> offline. Yes. Do, but you see, it. but that see, doesn't you work. You have that. No. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, it, it's not always a perfect. A perfect no, no. I, I mean, you just I throw know. it out and you do something completely yeah. different. I am, <laughs> I am, thankfully, I'm the exception to this because I've not, and I think the problem is, it really is something weird happening, but also yeah. I'm just, it's just my personality. I, I'm just <laughs> going to get frantic if I, if, and I'm the, t like one thing I can't stand is like ha having worked on something for so long yeah, and it breaks down. I have it a very difficult too. time. Yeah. Um, like you're much, you seem much more even, obviously anybody is than I am, but like I will <laughs> Like it gets me angry. And that's what I was saying to Prezi. They're trying to help me. I'm like, listen, I'm paying money yes, to do this. Yes. And I'm not expecting you to, like, I understand you've provided this, but I've worked, and Chris knows this, like hours and yeah. hours, probably days at this point. And I'm like, so that when in the, in the moment I need it, if it completely freezes, it's very difficult for me to be like, oh, well, you know, I'm just like, what? This makes me. And that's more about me and my personality. So, well, and, and maybe not necessarily. I mean, in the in the actual case of Prezi. So for me, over the years, I've looked at Prezi and and even Google Slides. I noticed um, in the last few years that a lot of presenters uh, say at ISTE, which I go to the International Society for Technology and Education conference, which is a fantastic conference to go to. Um, like at that conference, a lot of the presenters use Google Slides for their presentation because then they can share that Google Slides whole document with attendees right. and you get access to it. So that's lovely. I do not do that because I refuse to use any tool for my pr my whole presentation that is online based. I will not do it. Right. So I only ever use, I have Keynote because I'm on a Mac, but it could be PowerPoint. PowerPoint. And I would only ever consider using Keynote or PowerPoint locally on my Mac in any situation because I have total control over it and I'm not relying on any internet. And if I have to show a video in the presentation, I will make sure it's inside that presentation. Yeah. I'm not going off to a website to play the video. I want to say that were I a normal person, so for everyone else listening to this, the truth is as you're explaining your um, Midnight Music community, and honestly, I'm not trying to be cute. You know, Chris has been talking about it for a while. <laughs> I really think... It sounds perfect, you know. Um. It's a very safe space and I think um, that's my approach to teaching technology, teaching teachers about technology over the years, which I've been very adamant about, is that there are no dumb questions. And I know people say that a lot, but I have found that when I go to look for answers about tech-related things on forums, and I'm not talking education forums, just general sure. software and stuff, 
there is an instant like you're afraid to ask a question because yeah. there's going to be someone with a bit of chew, chew you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know comments about well don't you know you just do this well no I didn't know and that's why I'm asking so I'm so adamant about explaining it to you in a way that it's okay that you did not know. If you don't know how to start your Google Meet call, right? <laughs> why why would you know that if you've not been shown that before? Like mm. you just so you go okay. So if you've never done it before, here's what you do: you click here and you click here and you click here. And I don't. I I explain. I mean, Chris probably knows. I explain along the way in every tutorial and every webinar. I will still mention things that. I, I maybe even think people should know, <laughs> like just right. between you and I. Right. But I will still say, look, if you've never done this before, this is what you'll do. And it just puts people, it makes people more relaxed, I think, to ask those questions that they're maybe afraid to ask. So, um, you know, we have this online com community forum, which is part of the, of the membership. And that's what I really love about it is that people are free to ask questions. There's no like, I've noticed in the Facebook groups in past months, like I've had to walk away from some of them and just like, just leave them be for a while. I'm like, I right. need to, I need to just shut this off for a while. It's toxic. They're the toxic, really toxic. And I like in our space so far, touch wood, it's been a really lovely space. And Amy and I answer every, Amy works for me, you know, yeah. and, and Amy and I answer every question or other community members will jump in and say, oh yeah, I've used that in my classroom and this is what I'm doing with that or this is what fixed that problem. And it's just been, I don't have any rules. You don't join the forum and there are a whole stack of rules about do not do this and do not do that because right. I haven't needed to add them. Right. At some point if I need to, I'll add them in. But it's just been a lovely safe space to ask things and I don't know, it, it's it's a nice place to be. Yeah, I mean, I know on the new Facebook page that I have, the Music Ed with Missy, it's just been really pleasant because I think I've been very upfront in the beginning. Yeah. And I actually said the same thing. Uh, you know, I'll develop rules as we go along, but what's nice is, is yeah, yeah, what it's nice is I've had, I kind of have to pr tell myself this, this is my page. Yeah. And so I'm, you, you make the rules. Absolutely. I'll make the rules and hopefully I'm, you know, a good leader and will understand, you know, yeah. and, and so, so far it's been just a super positive experience. Um, and the whole premise, like in my classroom, the music room is a safe place to take a risk and make a mistake. If not, n nobody's really going to learn anything. Yeah, absolutely. So, How are you supposed to know? I mean, yeah. just, that, that's been my underlying thing. It's like, if you don't know, well, you just don't know. It doesn't make you stupid. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think, or, I think with okay. technology, you know, for a person like me, for sure, you know, I'm bright. I can, but when it comes to technology, I feel so overwhelmed that when I hear people start to kind of go off, I'll close down because yeah. it's like, I don't know what they're talking about, you know. So it would be great to have a place where you felt like I could say, I actually have never started a, a Google Meet before, you know. Yeah. And I and was saying. will tell you or, or I, I usually make a video answer to, for people because I sure. find that easiest to do. And it's just, you know, I'll just walk you through. This is yeah. what I think it is. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. I think that's what people need in a lot of areas of life. But for technology, yeah. um, a safe place to do that is great. And I will just say one more thing on that kind of area, and this is speaks to the overwhelm. I learned about a concept, um, this, this phrase called just-in-time learning. I don't know if you've sort of come no. across this. I mean, it's not exactly like mind-blowing new, new sort of thought or anything, but it's this idea of 
ignore everything else that you don't need to know right now mm. and if if the thing for you tomorrow is to work out how to run a google meet for the first time do not be looking at Facebook groups where people are showing pixel art and asking right. for Chrome Music Lab <laughs> lessons and right, right, right. saying, hey, there's this new Flipgrid feature that you should all check out. Forget all that. Just yep. go look for how to do a Google Meet and just stick with that. Be very tunnel vision because it, I get overwhelmed too. And, um, you know, people might find that surprising, but I really do shut off things. I, I'm planning on my next free webinar is going to be about online digital whiteboards like Jamboard and um, whiteboard.chat, fantastic tools. I need to do some research. I need to look into them. There's new features that have been added and I have saved about three or four YouTube videos that I'm going right. to watch. But every time I see one pop up, I'm like, do not look at that now. You do not need to see that because right. the webinar is in a month. I don't need, I need to look at this webinar because that's coming first. So forget that Jamboard tutorial. Yes. <laughs> do not look at it. Yeah. And so I put it away, save it so that you know you're not going to lose it, but come back to it when you need to. Yeah. I actually have a, an, on my notepad a thing because like <laughs> for right now, I'm, I'm going on spring break soon and I'm making uh, Google slide presentations for the sub and everything. But I also want to do something for third grade later. And there's a part of me and I'm also preparing for these courses that I'm doing. Yeah. And so I, I'm trying to like change from Prezi to something else. And I'm like, just stop <laughs> doing that. Finish your sub plans. Yep. And then it's like, should I learn Nearpot? I'm like, nope. No, do you <laughs> yep. not touch Nearpot? I did. I put it summer. to the side. That's what I said. Project. In the summer, I will, like, what's the thing I need to do? Change my one presentation. That's really like, so with each of my too many things that I'm doing, so it's like being a teacher trainer, I'm working on one thing. And then for school, I'm working on another thing and yeah. I have to tell myself because somebody's like well if you use you know oh you use loom but you could also I'm like no no loom no. is enough like if, you, just, if loom <laughs> is working do not yep. look for other solutions and people today, look for alternatives yes Don't. well I think I think we're just so desperate and yeah. when somebody says it's very appealing I understand if somebody says I love Nearpod Nearpod is so great blah 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 you know I totally have that feeling of like I should learn that also but the problem with me is I'm saying that about six different things at yeah. once. At least that lesson I've learned to just be like, here's, I'll put, you know, a note on my notepad. And when I have time, I will look at that. But I cannot do that. So t today when I was working on my video, my um, sub plans, I actually just made a video on my, what do you call this thing on Mac? The photo booth or whatever that is. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. And I, because I'm like, I could make a loom video that, and I'm like, I don't need to do that. So I just made these little, like, two minute videos. Hey guys, it's Dr. Strong. Sorry, I'm not there. Here's what you're going to do in your lesson. And I just stuck it in the presentation. Perfect. And I was proud of myself because it wasn't fancy, but it's very effective. And the kids will like, I wanted to say something to them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, okay, I feel <laughs> I better. Think, I think that <laughs> anxiety. That you're talking about was me last, I think September when, when Bitmoji classrooms were like, oh, oh boy, the, craze, the Bitmoji right? classrooms, distraction. unnecessary distraction. Oh, Lovely word. if you've got time, but no. <laughs> I didn't even know how to create a Bitmoji, right? And then thank goodness I went to one of your webinars, and you're like, okay, and now this is how you do it, and you can change the outfits, and I was like, okay, this is so great, I love it, and then I made one, and I was like. I don't even know what 
to use it for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I made this classroom. Right. Now what do I do with it? <laughs> that was so common at that time. I, oh, yeah. I mean, still it pops up now. It, it's so funny. I saw, I, I started to like go, oh my gosh, why are people doing these? Because that was the thing that I found kind of the strangest, like, sorry, <laughs> but that people were like, oh, these are fabulous. Like they are, they're fun. They're, and yeah, if you have the time, like that to me, doing that type of thing, putting that type of image together, I love it. Like that's a creative outlet for me. So if that's the reason you're making it, go for it like there's no one saying don't do that but I did see a lot of teachers because <laughs> they, they'd seen all these people like oh my gosh I've got this bit my classroom fantastic it's doing all this stuff for me and my kids and and so everyone go the first thing they're like is how do you make it so they do that and then then the question afterwards was like okay so what was the point of making yes it? Like, why are they doing it that way around? why yeah. are they not going okay I want a catch-all for a set of links that I want to share with my students. Right. That is the that is the aim of these things. And it's just a pretty way to share yeah. a series of links to things or to put an announcement in a visual format or, you know, there's multiple uses. But the funniest thing I thought was that question of like, I've made my Bitmoji classroom now. What do I do with it? Right. <laughs> and I think I think that goes to what I was saying. We it's like two things going on at once. We're in this untenable situation where we're just dying to get our hands on as much, you know, we're panicked. So it's like, yeah. I need to have fun stuff since I'm going to be online. I remember with the bit, I have a bitmoji. I don't even know how I knew how to do it from years ago, <laughs> but I would see people doing these classrooms. And just for me, it wasn't, you know, like I'm, because I'm so wise. I just remember saying, I cannot handle whatever that is. Like, I do not know what that is. And I would have that foam you know fear of missing out because everybody's making one but here's the missy workaround at some point like 200 people were sharing their bitmoji rooms yeah. so what i would do it you know they would say you can use it i would just take it put my picture in there and uh -huh. just kind of get a feel yeah. for it and, and be like oh i line. get it <laughs> you yeah. know all it is is a pretty thing for links because to me, if I don't understand the function of something, I don't have time for it. Me too. I, when yeah. I first saw them, I'm like, why? What? I mean, it's great. But, yeah. And it's funny because I had cute. actually talked about that concept um, years before, not with a classroom picture, but I had talked about this idea of, uh, say, unit of work. I always use Peter and the Wolf as an example. And like, imagine if you had a picture of Peter and the Wolf, like a scene, and right. then you could link off, you know, the different characters in your picture could link off to the themes. So the different character themes, you know, link off to a YouTube video or an audio file. And I was like, oh, this is great. So when I saw them pop up, I'm like, oh, that's just like, it's the same concept, really. Right. It's a picture with links. Right. And that just went crazy. And just you just crazy. put, you know, you just put your bitmoji in there. I think that was yeah. the thing. The thing. Um, it was like, uh, we were just talking at dinner tonight because my one son was like, why do people like horoscopes so much? Right. Because he's like, I don't really understand. So we were just saying humans are just a funny beast. Like we're just like what we <laughs> like, you know, and, and I want to say like with a Bitmoji classroom, if you, exactly what you said, Katie, like if people, if that is, a, a, if creating those brings you like happiness, oh then gosh, go for it. it. Like fun. And, yeah. and then let people like me who would um, have a panic attack for real, you know, <laughs> if you're willing to share it, like Chris is often willing to share things that she makes. Thank <laughs> you, Chris. Um, then I'll take, I'm very good at like tweaking things and that brings me um, happiness. But like, if you're a person who 
doesn't understand those things and feels overwhelmed, it's okay to step away. You're not yeah. great for doing a Bitmoji classroom and you're not great for not doing one. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, exactly. you have to do what's going to help you maintain balance. And also, it's funny because there were so many teachers making them. I did hear that there were students going, oh, another yeah. bit magic. Like, they I, were over them. They were I, over them. I knew that What's was going to happen. Yeah, because yeah. I would be like, I, I'm always on the tail end of the trend, you know, like I'm saying on fleek now, and that was like from five years ago, <laughs> right? So, like, Bitmoji for me was like, oh, the kids were like, oh, look, it's a Bitmoji. How quaint is that? It's vintage now. Dr. Strong's doing it six months later. And I'm like, see, I'm just bringing it back. It's so precious. My boys, my own kids are like aged 14 and 15. And I said to my 14-year-old, I'm like, this whole Bitmoji thing, I said, you guys just roll your eyes, right? If you oh, see your teacher doing that, and he goes, "Oh my god, totally." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not like past middle school. Just forget it. Just do not. <laughs> it was so great to get these tips from Katie, especially the one about focusing on just one tech thing at a time instead of desperately clutching for multiple ways to do different things. Like I said before the interview started. Head to the Music Ed Amplified podcast website to find out more about Katie. Or you can also go to Midnight Music at midnightmusic.com.au because she's Australian if you didn't notice. Stay tuned for part two of the interview with Katie, which will drop soon. Have questions for me or want to send in questions or comments for me to talk about on air? Send them to me at musicedwithmissy at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to me at Instagram or Facebook at Music Ed with Missy or on Twitter at DocStrong26. I would greatly appreciate it if you would share this podcast with everyone, not just music teachers, because I think it could benefit a lot of people. And if you would be willing to subscribe and rate it wherever you listen, this is the best way for us to get the word out. Thank you for spending some time with me. I hope you've been encouraged, supported, challenged, and inspired, and that you're motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time, but until then, keep doing all you can to create a more joyful, musical, thoughtful, and just world for your students, their families, and your community. Music